Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. quarterbacks across even just quarterbacks they're getting only 10 to 12 meetings with teams whereas before they were probably meeting with 20 to 25 teams so the number is probably almost cut in half or at least a third or whatever it might be but I think it ultimately is going to hurt some players and I wouldn't be surprised if we see a pretty deep undrafted free agent pool and we'll see some talented players there. Russell Brown of Cover One here on WGR. The draft is uh, on, and it's going to happen, even though we are in this situation where there's a lot of things not happening right now around sports, obviously. No live games. I mean, there was a live game of horse yesterday. Don't know if you saw that. I did catch a little bit of it. Not as much as I wanted to. Got caught up in some other things going on. Didn't actually get a chance to watch horse. But um, the draft is scheduled to go on as planned. It's going to be different this year, of course. You just heard from Brayton that it is going to be televised in the form of which it's going to be taking place. And I remind people all the time that, you know, it's really no different than in any other year. The draft is always online and virtual anyway. The only people who are actually at the draft for teams are the runners of the cards and the people who pick up the phone and say, this is who we're drafting. The actual front offices are always in their own cities. The only difference this year is they're going to be sequestered basically in their own homes, can't go to their war rooms, can't have those big boards with technological advances that we've seen. That's the only difference. Otherwise, there's really no change to the draft as far as how teams pick their players and where from, which is from their own cities, not being in the actual physical location of the draft. But, of course, it's going to be different in a lot of ways in how we consume it and how we watch it. And the draft is going to be held in just a couple of weeks, and we're going to see who the Bills take on night number two, most likely, because they don't have a first-round pick. They traded that for Stephon Diggs. Now they have pick number 54 as their first pick in this draft. And here to talk about it with us right now is my man, Emery Hunt, from Football Game Plan, who I always – I introduced you uh, the other – the last segment, I said, Emery, you are the guy, I remember, who was so high on Lamar Jackson two years ago. It wasn't looking great in year one, but he really exploded and made you look good in year two. Yeah, appreciate that, man, and thanks for having me on. A lot of times it's about seeing it all the way through and, and really trusting your process. And remember, we were on this show when the Bills drafted Josh Allen. I told people, like, listen, you can't look at the statistics. You have to look at how well he played inside the red zone. The guy puts points up on the board. It may not look, you know, how you may draw it up or you may how you may want the position to play, but for whatever reason, inside the red zone he plays his best ball. We've seen that also 
come to fruition as well. No doubt. Emery Hunt, Football Game Plan, footballgameplan.com, joining me here on the West Her Hotline today to talk NFL draft. All right, so let's start with quarterbacks. We know the Bills aren't in the market for a quarterback, but this is an interesting quarterback draft. Um, you called your shot on on Lamar Jackson a couple years ago. Who are you calling your shot on this year? Is there anybody you really like maybe to rise above the cream of the crop when it's all said and done here? I think Jalen Hurts is not getting a lot of credit for how well he plays the position. You talk about a guy that has gone through two different blue blood programs and has come out on top on both sides in different situations. People forget his freshman season, he led Alabama to the national championship game. And if it wasn't for Deshaun Watson doing Deshaun Watson things with a minute 36 left in the game, he would have won that championship as a freshman because he drove down the field and got them what looked to be the game-winning points until we saw what happened when Watson went right back down the field and scored. Then he had to get humbled when he wasn't playing his best football, got benched, didn't transfer, stayed, worked on his game, and when they needed him the most in that championship game against Georgia, he was able to answer the call with his arm and then with his legs. And then you fast forward to what he did at Oklahoma, getting there in the summer, learning that offense, and becoming prolific in that system with that program, becoming a Heisman finalist. So we saw this guy have the highs, have the lows of getting benched, got humbled, got back on top of the mountain. And every coach you speak to that has coached him talk about his ability to be a leader, his, his uh, ability to be a student of the game. And we saw him really take his craft seriously and work on his game. And we also know he has that element to make it an 11 on 11 game. So I think he's a lot like Dak Prescott, same arc in his college career where you didn't think Dak was really going to be that good of a pro quarterback. But his senior season, you saw him put it all together. I think we're seeing the same things with Jalen Hurts. So I think this is a guy that if you can't get Joe Burrow, you should be gunning for Jalen Hurts over anybody else. All right, so you like Joe Burrow, obviously, number one. But what what concerns you or separates Burrow from Tua? And kind of talk about both of them, what you like, what you don't like, and how teams should kind of pick apart the two when they're deciding between them. And this is the, this is the big part of how I look at quarterbacks. We, it doesn't matter to me how tall you are, how far you can throw, you know, all those immeasurables. What really matters is how well you play situational football we just talked about josh allen in the red zone when i like lamar jackson i liked his ability to, to excel on third downs and really keep the game and the entire playbook open when you look at joe burrow you look at how well he played situationally third down offense backed up offense inside the red zone and versus pressure you go back to everyone wants to talk about this season but you go back and look at last year against auburn against UCF in that bowl game when he got knocked silly, came right back and led them to a victory. And when you have that type of mental toughness, that's the type of quarterback you want at the position because we all know it. if you're playing the quarterback position, you can make throws. That's a given. But it's how well you play in tough situations that really separates you from being the good or the average quarterback. And when you look at a guy like Tua Tagovailoa, to me, he has the physical attributes that you want. The accuracy is A-plus outstanding. But to be quite honest, outside of the one pass in that national championship game his freshman season, we haven't really seen him play well in the biggest of games. And actually, he's played his worst game in the biggest of games on top of the fact that he has had injuries every season. So to me, he's a good player. He reminds me a lot of Jimmy Garoppolo and how he plays. I just worry about how he plays in situational football 
um, to where I don't feel comfortable taking him as high as people are projecting. I would rather have a guy that's battle-tested, that's, that's been through some adversity, like a Joe Burrow or a Jalen Hurts. Interesting on Burrow. I want to circle back to him for a second. So he, here's what I think, and you tell me if this is something that I shouldn't be as concerned about or if it's if I'm in the ballpark of how I think about these things. So I think that I'd be concerned with the fact that he's been in college for five years and maybe are we have we already seen his ceiling. As good as he is, Emery, right? Like, he might be more of the finished product, though, and I don't know how much better he can get at the NFL level. On top of the fact, by the way, Going to Cincinnati, I think, is going to hurt this young man. I just don't think they're the type of organization that I would trust to develop a quarterback and put the resources around him and go all in for winning. But he's been in college for five years. He's older than some of the current starting quarterbacks in the league. How much better and how much room do I really have to develop and get him even higher than what he is now? Well, you make some great points, but to me, the points you're making kind of makes it easier for Cincinnati to make that choice because you just talked about having questions about them developing a quarterback, mm-hmm. so why not get the guy that has the highest floor? Sure. You know, the guy that can step in right away, and that would be Joe Burrow. Plus, he, he, yeah, he's been in college five years, but he really hasn't played a lot. I look at him in the same scope that I look at Kevin Davidson that played at Princeton. People like his physical skills, but they look at him and say, man, he only started one season. Well, to me, I look at that as having upside because he still has room to grow his game despite not playing a lot. I compare Burrow to Matt Ryan. You know, and to me, Matt Ryan is a, is a guy that, is, yeah, he came in, played a lot of football at Boston College, and, you know, he didn't really get any better or worse. He's kind of been the same guy. And I think Burrow, how he is right now, I think that's good enough for Cincinnati, especially considering what they already have on the roster around him. And then, and, and too, I totally agree with you about the injuries. What would concern me with him is, it's not necessarily even this necessarily this one injury or another. He's just he's had several. He's not the biggest guy, and I think he will get beat up more in the NFL than he did in college. And I, I think long term, as much as Tua Tua could come into this league and be very good in three years, but I wonder what he's going to be in six or seven years from now. Yeah, and it's funny. Imagine if Lamar Jackson had these type of injury concerns that people projected him to have, and you've seen people totally ignore this about Tua. You remember this? Uh, you remember? quarterback like Chris Chandler, who you saw just constantly got banged up every year. You just knew it was going to happen. It wasn't a question of of, uh, how, it was more like when. Mm -hmm. And when you have a guy like Tua, it's it's like, you know, it's not these injuries where you can explain, okay, that's an ACL injury, okay, that's a separated shoulder. It's odd stuff, like these ankles, oh, it's going to make his ankles stronger. Okay, but we've seen guys not have to have that surgery, number one. And then the hip, the last time I saw a guy with a hip injury was Bo Jackson. That's how rare it is. And right. he found a way to get injured uh, in a game against Mississippi State. Well, you just wonder, like, man, what, how, how come it always is about an injury with Tua more so than his play? And if you're going to go on the field, I think he tends to, you know, spot through a lot of passes. Yes, he has great accuracy and placement, but everything's flat line fastball. There's no arc. There's no touch, um, and which will yield itself to him having passes batted at the line of scrimmage or not seeing those buzzing underneath defenders, and he's going to throw some interceptions. So he has some on-the-field questions, but again, yeah, he has the accuracy. You love the touch on uh, the deep ball, but the injuries are what really knock him down a couple pegs. He's my third-rated quarterback in this draft class. Oh, so so you have Burrow one, and who do you have two? Hurts two, and then... I have two at three. Jalen Hurts. Okay, so Hurts even above Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, those guys. 
Absolutely. And, it's, again, when you watch, for instance, when you watch Jordan Love, and people will see this as a knock, but I'll look at it as a, as a comparison. Jordan Love reminds me a lot of the Sean Kaiser. I like Kaiser, the prospect coming out of Notre Dame. I think Kaiser as the prospect was a better prospect than Jordan Love. Jordan Love's game now reminds me a lot of Kaiser's rookie season where you saw some potential, but you saw the turnovers, and you saw some head scratchers, but you saw the talent. I think Love is a guy that's best suited to sit for a year um, to really work on mechanics and then go out there. And, you know, he has to go to a stable situation unlike Kaiser did. For Herbert, Herbert reminds me a lot of Paxton Lynch in the fact that every time you watch him play, you just felt that you didn't see enough. And you watch another game and you come away with the same take. Well, I didn't see enough. Let me see something else. Not realizing that's who he is over the course of the game. He's been consistent in being a guy that doesn't have – the quote-unquote it factor. Yeah, he has a strong arm and definitely has some athleticism, but you watch him just play the position and it just doesn't seem fluid or consistent. There's a reason why they hadn't played a lot of big games uh, with him at the quarterback position. I think he falls into a lot of the same uh, things that we saw from Josh Rosen. He came out the gate gangbusters as a freshman because we don't see freshmen play that position really well, but we didn't see him get better. And we just kind of had that image in our minds of, man, remember him as a freshman? But, yeah, he's a senior now. He didn't get better. He's kind of maxed out as a prospect. All right, let's talk about the Bills here. Emery Hunt joining me here on the Western Hotline on WGR. They pick 54th. There has been buzz up here lately about maybe adding a running back. I'm not in love with the idea. I think you get you trade a first-rounder for Stephon Diggs. You need to throw more and get him the ball, and you have Devin Singletary. I don't want another person cutting into that. However, I understand the thought of surrounding Josh Allen with as many weapons as possible. So if Brandon Bean were to go in that direction – Look at 54. Who could be still on the board that would fit in that spot? And I love how you frame that because if you're trying to get explosive on offense and when you watch the Bills on offense, you say, okay, they need another threat. They go out and get the threat in Stephon Diggs. You look in the backfield, Singletary's going to get an increased role, but do you trust him as a full-time starter? So you want to pair him with some guy that can be uh, almost like a co-pilot and help give you one good back with two. So with that being the backdrop, I look at a guy like – you know, um, D.J. Dallas out of Miami. I think he is what the Bills would need to pair with Devin Singletary. Dallas can catch the football really well at the backfield. He's a former quarterback, so he understands how to run routes and how to get open. He's also a bigger back, so he can handle those tackle-tackle-type duties, and he also is very solid in pass pro. But he gives you a good complimentary back where you don't have to feel as though, man, we have to feed him the football. So you need that type of guy to pair with Singletary because you want Singletary touching the ball a lot more. You look at another guy like LaMichael P. Ryan, maybe later in the draft, just like D.J. Dallas. You want those guys later in the draft that will still be there and they'll help you out. If you want a home run hitter, Monmouth's running back, Pete Guerrero, is exactly that. 5'9", 190, sprinter speed, ran track at Monmouth, also played on the football team. This year came up five yards short of rushing for 2,000 yards on the season. I, I was on a broadcast for four of those games this year, and every game when the team needed a big play to be made, he ended up making the play in the run game, running away from people. Never saw him get caught from behind. Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins seem to be the really you know flavor of choice for a lot of Bills fans. Are either of them, do you think they'll both be there at 54? Neither of them, what are the chances? I, I, I struggle to see them there at 54. Plus, with those guys, that would take away carries for Singletary because if we're talking prospects, pound for pound, mm-hmm. I would rather have Dobbins over Singletary. I would rather have Taylor over Singletary. But if you like Singletary, 
you don't want to take away his opportunity to grow as a player. So, to me, those guys are great talents. Uh, Dobbins, I like a lot. Taylor reminds me a lot of, of uh, a bigger, faster back that you that you saw back in the 90s and 2000s that, you know, got you, that really used to go in the top ten of drafts. But those two types of backs would take away from the growth and development of Singletary. So I wouldn't like those fits. Although I like the players, I wouldn't like the fit for Buffalo. We know why the Bills traded their first rounder for Stephon Diggs. Brandon Bean said it. He said, I can't get a guy at 22 that's going to walk on the field and be the impact that Stephon Diggs is in year one, and that's what we want right now. All right, but they still need to add to the wide receiver room because beyond Diggs and Brown and Beasley, we're looking at, is it Robert Foster? Is it Duke Williams? Is it Isaiah McKenzie? A young, good receiver on a rookie contract at 54. Such a good class. Who fits that mold? I look at this and I see, man, they need a bigger guy that, that can play. And I like what the what the, uh, the kid out of Liberty brings to the table, uh, Antonio Gandy-Golden. Reminds me a lot of Cortland Sutton. He's a bigger receiver, but really does a good job in running routes and playing the big game. So he's a big guy that also plays big. So I think you got to start to focus maybe on those, those bona fide X receivers, those guys that could handle one-on-one coverage out there on, the, on their own. T. Higgins would have been the, the ideal pick. Uh, for for Buffalo at 22, I know people were mocking him to the Bills, but if he's there in round two, that could be an option. Um, Golden, I'm, I'm a big fan of. I also like Colin Johnson out of Texas for a big guy at 6'5". He really gets in and out of his breaks really well. So I think you have to focus more on these bigger receivers. Um, Denzel Mims would have been perfect, but I think the way the talk is around him, he may not be there at 54. So those are some of the guys I see as, as really good fits for what Buffalo needs right now in their receiving core, that bigger receiver that can make everyone slide down one, one uh, notch into a more suited role. Like Diggs is your, your Z all day. Your slot receiver can re, you know rotate between Beasley and Brown. Uh, but you do need a bona fide X out there that can hold it down on one side of the field. And I love Anconu, Gandy Golden. I, I'm with you on that. Not only does he fit everything you said, but he there is no there isn't the pressure for him to play right away. Coming from Liberty, there might be more of a learning curve, right? So even though he's super productive, coming from that college, you may you know you're feeling more comfortable with him having to be the fourth or fifth wide receiver than the a guy in the top three. Absolutely, you want a, a guy that you can draft, develop, get him acclimated to the system and allow him to play. And with guys like that, even Austin Mack, a guy that is known uh, as a great route runner, well-coached at Ohio State, you can get him later and allow him to, to really find his way on the field. And you probably want guys that have special teams value that can grow into starting roles. And I think people are also sleeping on Austin Mack. He's another one that hadn't played a lot of ball because of all the depth they had at Ohio State. But when you watch him individually and just rate him off what he did do out there on the field, He's a guy that can hold it down as an ex-receiver that can come in with not a lot of pressure to play, but by midway through the year, you're finding him making a ton of plays, and he grows into what you want him to be on your roster. All right, the Bills, 11 on offense, 11 on defense. Seems to be pretty set except for maybe one spot, and that might be cornerback opposite Tredavious White. We saw Levi Wallace and Kevin Johnson rotate snaps as the year went on last year. They've gone out and signed Josh Norman. They signed E.J. Gaines. They may be searching for that one guy they can rely on. If they go younger here and give a, an opportunity to a rookie to try and win that starting job or at least take significant snaps at 54 what are we looking at at cornerback there you got two options i think would be good fits for uh buffalo i look at damon arnett of ohio state big fan of his game and i'm a big fan of reggie robinson the second out of tulsa he's a taller corner really uses his hands very well uh, is not afraid to get out there and press and, and really hold his own. And is also a guy that's capable 
in the run game. So you're looking at some guys that can mirror and match in Arnett, a guy that can play press but also is a factor in the run game. I think those two guys are, are guys to keep an eye on. If you want someone that's a little bit more uh, athletic or fluid, Parnell Motley out of Oklahoma is, a, is another guy that I really am a big fan of. Luke Barku out of San Diego State. Stanley Thomas Oliver out of Florida International actually reminds me of a former teammate of mine, Ike Taylor, and how he plays. He's a long corner, got the the, uh, the athleticism, former receiver, so he has ball skills and has upside, so he can get in there and play a little bit, but you can groom him to be what you want him to be because, again, still new at playing a position, um, and you still have that upside left in this game. You know, Trayvon Diggs, obviously, is a guy that we've talked a lot about because his brother now is on the Bills. Where do you expect him to go in this draft? You've seen talk about him going anywhere from – you know, the 20s all the way down to the third or fourth round. I think he's more along the lines of a third-round type pick um, because he has a lot of, you know, roughness around the edges. He has to be groomed and developed. You can't get a guy like him because, again, he's another one that came in as a receiver at Alabama and didn't really get the reps to play a lot at corner. So you still have some questions about throwing him out there against NFL receivers down and down out. So you don't want to take a guy like that high. You want to take him maybe later in the second round, third round, and therefore you can bring him in and groom him and bring him along slowly. Do you like Bryce Hall, Virginia? I do. And I, I see a pathway for Bryce Hall to maybe even be a safety down the line mm-hmm. too. Uh, similar to like Lamar Jackson of Nebraska, those guys are physical guys. They're, they're heady guys. They're aggressive. Um, and they may be a little bit too aggressive for their own take at the NFL level, but – uh, I think both guys can play that press side of the field but also have a, a, a pathway to play safety down the line as well. All right, and before I let you go, good stuff, by the way. I asked you about Bryce Hall because there's a lot of local, uh, a lot of locals who like him, like media-wise, like me. I like him, so do some other the, uh, local analysts here. That's why I asked you. But let me ask you this before I let you go. Give me, of all the draft, any position you, you want to go anywhere on the board here, the player you think isn't getting enough love that needs to get more, and the player that's getting too much love that people need to slow down a little bit on? The player that's getting not a lot of love, I think, is um, Menashe Bailey, the wide receiver for, for Morgan State. Athletic, out the yin-yang, upside, plays on all special teams, block punts and kicks, and also is a great returner. Came to Morgan State as a linebacker turned over to the receiver position, became the best receiver on the team, and had tore up Army, tore up James Madison, and was one of the premier players at the FCS level, and also was the MVP down at the Tropical Bowl this past January against FBS opponents. The guy that's getting talked about maybe too much is Justin Herbert, because everyone is acknowledging the fact that he, he has flaws in his game, but they constantly talk about him being high in the draft. Well, if that's the case, your words are not matching your actions. If you understand that that's the guy that doesn't have what you want at the position, you have some some questions, then why are you talking about him high in the draft? Are you are you basing it more off your analysis or trying to guess where he's going to go? Because those are two separate things. Always good to catch up to you. I hope the family, everybody's good, safe, and, you know, this whole situation stinks, and I hope to see it at an NFL game like we seem to run into each other every year. Absolutely. Same to you and yours and everyone out there that's listening, man. Stay inside, stay social distancing so we can get back on to the football field immediately. All right, Emory Hunt, football game plan. Thanks, brother. Take care. You too, man. Appreciate that. All right, that is Emory Hunt, football game plan. Does a great job. Love his draft stuff. You can follow him on Twitter at FB.
F-ball game plan. Sorry, at F-ball game plan. Take a timeout. Matt Perino, New York Upstate, going to join me next. We got just guests all over the place uh, these last couple hours here before I head on out at 3 o'clock. So Matt Perino, New York Upstate, he's going to join me next on WGR. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, welcome back to WGR Sports Radio 550. Sal Capaccio here with you today, taking you up till 3 p.m. Hey, at 2 p.m., got a special treat for you. My Sal Sports and Stuff podcast, I interviewed Mike North, the VP of Broadcasting and Scheduling for the NFL a couple weeks ago. Lots of great feedback on that, but a lot of you still haven't heard it, so going to play it for you. And you can hear all about the scheduling, what goes into it, and just how much the Bills might be on national TV and or primetime this year. My next guest is primetime. I should call him that. Primetime. Primetime. Matt Perino of New York Upstate joins me uh, right now. What's good, brother? How's the family doing? You guys okay during all this? Uh, yeah, we're doing good, man. Uh, you know, we've been pretty much uh, staying at home for the last four weeks now. Um, it's def- the days are piling on top of each other, as I'm sure you know. But, you know, we've talked about it. It's nice to have this kind of time with the kids uh, and the wife uh, to kind of – you know, uh, take advantage of it because we're probably never going to be in a situation like this again. But, you know, things are good, and we got a draft to talk about. I taught my son how to play bocce over the weekend, dude. That's that's what I did. I saw that. How did uh, who, who won those? Well, games? he won. He, I, my money's on Max. Listen, I won the first game to 10. Then he wanted to play another separate game to 15, and he beat me. And then we held the first ever Capaccio Bocce Ball Easter tournament with him, my wife Yana, and me, and Max won. So he he has the belt right now. Yeah, we, we went on a walk around. The, people in my neighborhood probably thought we were nuts. We went on a, a walk around the block yesterday, and he had gotten a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle weapon-type <laughs> mask thing for, for Easter, and so we had a battle around the entire – it was a fun time. Yeah, all right, man. Listen, so I know you got a lot going on at New York Upstate. We're going to let you uh, tell everybody about it. I know you got some cool things going on over there, but I wanted to get you on just to talk about you know the offseason and the Bills and what you think of some of the things that they've done up to this point where they might go in the draft. So let's start just rewinding a little bit, if we will, Matt. Matt Perino, New York Upstate, by the way, on the Western Hotline. Stefan Diggs, the trade. You know, your thought on what they gave up, what it means for the Bills this year. You know, I had zero problems with what they got, what they gave up, because if you go back to that day when the the deal went down with Arizona and Houston for DeAndre Hopkins, I was sitting there like, how could you not be Josh Allen sitting there watching a young quarterback uh, in the league like Kyler Murray, uh, another top 10 draft pick, 
get you know in year two get a get a bona fide number one receiver. And I thought as good as John Brown was last year, the ability to go out there and get Josh Allen that guy. So we could strip away some of the excuses. And, and you, you know you hate to say excuses, but you know Josh Allen came out as a very raw prospect. But you know some of the things that we've leaned on over the last two years in evaluating him was you know a lot of it was predicated on what was around him. And Sean McDermott said in the off season. Uh, when the offseason started, we have to go out and get people that Josh Allen can trust. Stefan Diggs has been one of the most trustworthy, you know, game day primetime performers. I mean, that's a primetime performer right there. You go back to the Minnesota Miracle and just what he brings and what this off, what this regime likes, you know, speed, quickness, route running, separation ability. You know, he, he's kind of the whole package. And I think co- combining that with the guys that they have in this offense right now, the playmakers they have in this offense right now, I think it's a slam dunk. And I think that, you know, I think it was a little bit overblown about the compensation. A fifth and sixth round pick when you have multiple ones of those later on in the draft, you know, they don't have a lot of value to me because you're trying to win in 2020. And who cares about the fourth round pick next year? It's about this year right now with this collection of talent. Are you surprised that they concentrated so much on the defense during the free agency period? And obviously, Stefan D is a major component that they traded for on offense. Kind of the difference, the opposite of last year, Matt, where last year was all about the offense and then the defense got top billing in the draft with that Oliver. And do you expect that to happen considering what they have done on the defensive side in free agency? Right. You know, I'm, as I've looked back on it, you know, in the moment, I think I might have been a little bit surprised because I thought that they'd want to add – uh, maybe on the offensive line, you know, a receiver even with the addition of Diggs and maybe a tight end after showing some interest in Greg Olson. But as I've looked back at it and had all this time to think back, it makes a lot of sense because they had a lot to replace. If you think about it, they're two, two, they're two top sack getters from 2019. Shaq Lawson, Jordan Phillips are no longer on the roster. They lost Lorenzo Alexander, who was a big component uh, of that pass rush as well. So they went out there and they brought in – three new uh, players, three new components to add to that defensive front. Uh, and I think that those were important additions, and they all do different things. Uh, and I think that what's most exciting about that small collection of, of talent that Brandon Bean was able to assemble is I'm interested to see what it means for Jerry Hughes, who you know obviously played injured all last year, still was a, you know, a nightmare uh, for, for left tackles, uh, to handle, but now with the kind of ability that Mario Addison brings on the other side as a pass rusher, a pure pass rusher, that could unlock Jerry Hughes, uh, you know, circa 2014 a little bit this year as he continues uh, uh, to apply some pressure uh, and prove that he still got it. And you know, on the at cornerback, it's interesting. We're talking so much about what the Bills are going to do with this 54 number 54 pick because without a first round pick all eyes are on that number 54 pick. And a lot of people are mentioning cornerback as a possibility. After initially writing that I thought the Bills should probably stay away from Josh Norman because I thought he might command a, a more than a one-year deal, I've had a lot of time to think about that move as well. And, and I absolutely love it. And I also love what people are saying about him, the confidence that Brandon Bean uh, you know, ha- has seemed to show when we talked to him a little over a week ago now. And, and just like that, they just felt like he was miscast in Washington. Dean Marlowe, who played with him in Carolina during his all-pro season, said he's talked to Josh Norman. He still thinks he has a lot left to prove and in the tank. And I think coming into this culture and bringing what he does, you know, significant playoff experience, top-level experience, I think he's going to give Levi Wallace a real run for your money. And then you, the second part of your question is, you know, that really allows them, you look across this roster, they're pretty much set depth-wise everywhere. They can go best player available. When you can do that, 
I think you have the potential to add a real playmaker at 54. Well, it's the great 54 debate, and it's come up at running back. I think that's really the thing that's kind of been a focal point of a division between a lot of Bills fans and analysts. I've given my thoughts on it right here on the air and other places, even with you on your platforms. What would you think about them going running back at 54? I think the key to the running back conversation at 54 is who's left on the board. And for me, there's a bit of a drop-off after you're talking about, you know, the first three guys, I would say. Maybe you you toss in a fourth. Um, I think that a real interesting name for me is Cam Akers from Florida State. And I think the reason why is because I think he brings all the kind of skill set uh, that would pair nicely with Devin Singletary. He's got some speed. He's got some burst, some vision. And you can get him potentially in the third round, maybe trading up, which we know Brandon Bean likes to do in that round. Um, but at 54, uh, a, a fan tweeted this at me. When's the last time a team drafted a running back in the first three rounds in back-to-back years? And actually, it just happened. New England. Uh, they did it in 2019 and 2018. But, but other than that, that's the only time it's happened in the last five seasons. So it doesn't happen very often. So I think unless you, you're getting an absolute, no doubt about it, best player available at 54, Jonathan Taylor, a J.K. Dobbins, a DeAndre Swift, I think you hold off and try to pick your spot to go out and get the guy that you fit, that fits what you want to do in that backup role. They had Frank Gore there last year, that downhill, you know, tossed in between the tackles type presence. I think we've seen – certain teams show that you don't need, you know, a specific skill set as your backup anymore. You can have, you know, three multi, two or three multi-talented um, backs in your backfield, a la San Francisco. Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, uh, Raheem Mostert, they all can do multiple things. They all had speed. So I, I don't think that you should pigeonhole yourself with that second running back spot. And what we've talked about on the platforms you mentioned, we're both pretty high on T.J. Eldon. I mean, 900 yards of total offense in 2018, five touchdowns. If you add that to this offense in 2019, what does that mean? Did the Bills win another game? Are they able to get over the hump in Houston? You never know. So I, I like T.J. Eldon. I'm a little bit more bullish on him than a lot of people are. Um, but like we talked about, I don't think there's any glaring holes. I think at 54, you walk up to the podium with the top guy on your board, and Brandon Bean will have it set, and, and you could trust that he's going to go with a guy that they think can make an impact. Interesting stat. I didn't know that about the uh, back-to-back years of running backs in the top three rounds. That's a really cool stat. I think it does. It is relevant here because it is how these you know general managers think. So it does get you a little bit more away from running back. But what about wide receiver? Now you know they do spend the first-round pick to ship it off to Minnesota for Stephon Diggs. Can you justify even another one at fifty-four if you like the lot that's available? Yeah, I, I wanted to tweet out Nate Geary's mock today with a couple eye emojis because uh, he had him going K.J. Hamler at 54, and that was surprising to me. But, again, it all comes back to how they view this thing. If, if, you're, if you're between, say, three or four players, and so uh, let's say there's a Damon Arnett cornerback from Ohio State, uh, you know, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, K.J. Uh, running back from LSU, K.J. Hamler, and maybe an edge rusher like a Terrell Lewis, where are those guys ranked on Brandon's board and the Bills' board? I mean, K.J. Hamler might, might check every single box, and he might be a first-round guy in the eyes of this Bills regime. And so that, that, in that situation and scenario, I can see them making that pick, even though 
you would think, oh, well, why wouldn't you add a, a young edge rusher that you can develop or, or give an, you know, add another running back to the room? I think that what Brandon Bean uh, followed up on last week after telling us all multiple times over the last couple of years is, listen, second, first, second, third round, we're going truly best player available. And then we'll fill holes as the draft continues. Uh, I, I think that they could go wide receiver, especially if a couple of these guys that I think that they've been tied to over the port, course of the pro, uh, process that have kind of fallen in terms of their stock. You look at a T. Higgins from Clemson and uh, LaVisca Chenault from Colorado. Those are two guys that were supposed to be, you know, surefire first-rounders that now all of a sudden seem, seem to be falling a little bit. And, and if they're there, they're too that could be a question that they have to ask themselves. But, you know, t- so many options. I think no matter what, with the way that they draft, they'll, they'll get somebody they believe in. Before I let you go, uh, you covered UFC for a while. MMA, you're into it. And there's been a lot of talk lately about, you know, some of the decisions they're making. Dana White, this fight island, things like that. Now, where are you with everything and some of the decisions they're making and how they're trying to go about their business? Um, you know, I love it just from the sense of, so I'm pretty connected there. I talked to a lot of people within the company and, you know, one of the big, the big backlashes has been, you know, a lot of people in the media suggesting that, you know, Dana's just out there, you know, freewheeling without the, you know, putting any thought into what, you know, people in his company are dealing with and, you know, the fighters are dealing with, but I'll tell you, talking to fighters, talking to UFC employees, Everybody is on board with them trying to get this thing going. You know, that's, that's the UFC's model. And, and that's why I think UFC has kind of elevated itself over boxing in the last couple of decades is because it's always thinking about the fan. Now, of course, if safety is, can't be uh, guaranteed, I don't think that it's a chance that anybody's willing to take. And I think what we saw with what happened in Transpire with UFC 249 was, hey, you know, we, we can't, you know, without a shadow of doubt, guarantee that this is going to go off without any concerns or any setbacks when it comes to coronavirus. So we're going to scrap this, go to the island, which is a little bit different. They can, they can control that a little bit more. But, um, you know, if the fighters want to do it, if the UFC wants to do it, if the people want to do it that work for the UFC, then, I'm, you know, I'm all for it. And listen, at the end of the day, if we can get something back going here, I think it would do a, a great thing for morale, you know, in this country. But again, it comes down to safety, number one. Uh, and I think that they're going to check all those boxes before they go They go uh, with anything. Follow him on Twitter, at Matt Perino. He's the Bills beat reporter for New York Upstate and Syracuse.com. What do you got going on, man? Tell everybody any uh, projects you got going. Yeah, so we're really uh, full systems go uh, for our, our new every Wednesday night live show on YouTube. If you search NY Up. Right now, uh, I think it'll be rebranded eventually, but right now it's the NY Up YouTube page. And we have a live show every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. I had Sal on a couple weeks ago. It was great. Uh, We can have multiple people on there. Uh, And it's just a weekly podcast where, you know, uh, eventually it'll be available on Apple. You can search uh, Buffalo Bills Talk with Matt Perino on Apple. You will find it there. And we're just, we just, especially right now, you know, with everything going on, we want to give people an escape, uh, you know, a, a, a destination one night a week where we can just all talk uh, Buffalo Bills football because I know this fan base just craves that more than, you know, probably any other out there. Uh, and, you know, there's a live chat. You know, I get in the comments. Uh, you can follow me on social media. Anything you want to be done or added to the show, DM me on, on Twitter. I'm always open in there. Uh, and, yeah, it's a, it's a fun time. And also me and Ryan Talbot, my, my tag team partner, will have a, a series leading up to the draft where we argue for and against some of the top prospects 
uh, you know, UFC style. We'll take the gloves off a little bit, and we'll be releasing those on the site uh, in the coming week. I can't believe you you have open DMs. I should. I don't know why I haven't. I guess we should. In this business, we should. You, you never know who's going to. have open DMs. Yeah, I don't know, yeah, man. You can't have open DMs, man. 91,000 people. <laughs> I mean, that you... I mean, you're already uh, stretched pretty thin over there. I, I, I don't know if you if you have the time. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll take it under consideration. Thanks, my man. Uh, all the best to your family, and stay safe, and thanks for doing this today. Same to your family and everybody out there. Thanks, Al. All right, Matt Perino, New York Upstate. Follow him on Twitter, at Matt Perino. We'll come back. I'll speak for a couple of minutes, and then we'll send it back to a break to get to Mike North, the schedule maker for the NFL at the top of the hour. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. For the latest on COVID-19, WGR is helping Buffalo stay connected. For the latest, tune to News Radio 930 WBEN, WBEN.com or WBEN on the Radio.com app. Thanks a lot to Matt Perino from New York Upstate for joining me just a little while ago. Had some great guests today. I got another great one coming up at 2 o'clock that uh, I know some of you have already heard this. It's actually my South Sports and Stuff interview with Mike North, the schedule maker for the NFL. And I had him on my South Sports and Stuff podcast recently. And the reception and feedback I got was great. And a lot of you really enjoyed it, but some of you haven't heard it. So we're going to replay that coming up at 2 o'clock. Mike North. Director of Broadcasting and Scheduling for the NFL. I really want you to listen to it. Great, great, 
cool insight into how the schedule's made and what could be in store for the Bills as far as national TV and primetime games this year. Before I head out of here before that, though, I wanted to touch on something that's somber but personal to me and I know personal to many of you with what's going on. Uh, A friend of mine, her name is Julie, her husband, Brett, he unfortunately lost his battle this week, this past weekend, to COVID-19. And I'm telling you this because Brett was a huge, huge Bills fan. Brett McNeil is his name. And Brett leaves behind five children. He worked at the Wester Auto Group. He went to Turner Carroll High School. Absolutely humongous Bills fan. And I know that there are other people dealing with people they've seen go to the hospital, still struggling, still fighting, and even loss of life, unfortunately. I've read that on some of the pages, Bills fans talking about you know their loved ones, people they know, friends. Uh, Brett, I didn't know him very well. I met him a couple of times. Uh, his wife, Julie, and I have known each other for 30 years. We went to high school together. And it's really tragic and incredible to think about what's going on here with this disease, this situation, and these awesome people that we are losing too soon. And the reason I tell you this is, just like many other causes and people and things you can help out with, uh, yesterday I tweeted about Brett on my Twitter page and a link to a donation page if you'd like to help the family. He left behind five kids, huge Bills fan, and and I like I said, I know that there are other people out there who you could donate to and help to and families and things like that, and you should do all of it if you can, and if you can't, it's understood as well, but this one was personal for me, and I know it's personal for you out there listening as Bills fans maybe as well. So Brett and the fundraiser for his family, I should say, is linked on my face on my uh, Twitter page. You can go and find it. It's from yesterday. I have a couple pictures there, and it would be great if you did that and considered it at least. In the meantime, we're going to take a timeout now. We're going to hear from Mike North, the VP of Scheduling and Broadcasting in the National Football League up next on WGR. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.